Well, this morning, it is a privilege to introduce my friend Liz. Liz, you probably know if you've been at Neighborhood for a while, was on InterVarsity staff for a while, but Liz has a new role. She has stepped out of uh, missions as a vocation and is, you're doing more missions covertly. Yeah, you can steal it. So Liz is doing covert missions through Reading Pals. I could say that. You're loving people. You do love people. And you love them well. It's a privilege to hear what Mm -hmm. the Lord has prepared. So Jesus, would you bless Liz as she blesses us? Thank you for clarity of mind. Thank you for your word that is specific to us this morning. And thank you that we are here to receive. And so would our hearts be open, filled with expectation that you are going to show up, that you're going to speak to us, and that in 30-ish minutes, um, God, you will have deposited something in our hearts that will move us forward. So we bless you today. In your name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I want to say there's a lot going on this Sunday, huh? This weekend. Happy Lunar New Year to everyone. Happy Super Bowl. You know, it's a big deal. Um, I want to say welcome to anyone who's checking out church. Uh, You know, I really feel, I love praying for people who are spiritually hungry to feel like they can respond to that and step out and come to church. So hello, anyone who's here for the first time, anyone who maybe you've been away from church for a long time and it's your first time back, you are very, very welcome here. You know, I was thinking, what is it, (laughs) what is it like to go to church for the first time in a long time? You know that feeling? You're like, what is going to happen here? And this is a very geodesic building, and it's hard to find. You're like, where's the front door? You know, you're just trying to, you're like trying to get in here. You're trying to figure out what's going on. So way to make it. We are very happy to sit with you. We are very excited to know you. One of the ways that um, I also love to get to know people in church is through life group. I am part of the Tuesday night family potluck life group. Woo! A lot of us are back there. Um... A lot of us kind of live near First Ave in the center of town. So single people, families, we potluck, we pray, we have Bible study. It's very chill. The focus is on relationship. That's true of all of those life groups. So I would highly encourage you to check out one of those life groups so that you feel connected and known. It is, you are not going to get quizzed on how much you know about the Bible. That is not the goal. Even us, the potluck is a big part of ours. I, we host, I host, I hosted this week, um, and, you know, I didn't even start cooking my food till people were already there, <laughs> but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. No one cared. They were just happy that we were all together and that we all got to pray, so please check out a life group. So, since it is Super Bowl Sunday, I know all y'all are going to be yelling and standing around, jumping around a few minutes from now. We are going to talk to each other, at least today. You are going to talk to the people around you a little bit, so... Go ahead, introduce yourself to the per- a couple of the people around you, like two, three of the people around you. Ask them if they're in a life group. Invite someone to a life group. What are you doing for Super Bowl? Just talk to them for a bit. I know. I love this. If someone had the courage to come to church today, I want to make sure someone says, what's up? I'm glad you're here. We are so glad that we get to be together. I hope you get to keep knowing each other afterwards. I hope you end up yelling at the Super Bowl together. So... This morning, we are going to look at a section of the Bible written by an author named Matthew. It's the very beginning of what's called the New Testament. Like if you kind of just plop your Bible in half, it's going to be kind of right there in the center maybe, sort of. And um, I'm getting some head shakes. So, I mean, depending, my Bible does that. I guess I read Matthew more than you, maybe. So, Matthew is one of the biographies of Jesus. There's four specific ones that start out the New Testament. 
And um, most people will refer to this specific section of Matthew as what's called the Sermon on the Mount. That means Sermon on the Mountainside or the Hillside. It is three chapters long. Don't worry. We will not do all three chapters this morning. That's not what we're doing. Uh, We're just going to look at the beginning. And this takes place really early on in Jesus's public ministry. And there's a lot of curiosity about who Jesus is. And he delivered the message, like I said, in this hilly area near um, what's called the Sea of Galilee. It's like a big lake um, in what is now modern-day Israel. Um, And it's really good just to remember and to picture the context that Jesus was speaking in. Uh, Most of his audience would have been Jewish people, shepherds, fishermen, fishermen. farmers, you know, Jesus was, was Jewish. He was a tradesman. And so, uh, he's speaking to, to people who are actually experiencing a lot of pain and poverty because they're also under a pretty violent Roman empire occupation. And so put yourself in that crowd. These people are curious about who Jesus is and they've come out and these large crowds have gathered to, to hear Jesus. So I'm going to Read Matthew 5 now. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Amen. So we're going to look first at this word blessed. When we say blessed now... That term means all sorts of nonsense. You, you know, I could, if we go over to Home Goods right now, you're going to find a whole bunch of pillows that say hashtag blessed. You're going to find car decals, trucker hats. You know, I bet you could find bikinis <laughs> that say blessed. <laughs> that is not what, I mean, it's so watered down. It's so, it's such a weird term. And so we're going to spend some time talking about blessed. What did Jesus mean when he's saying this? What history would come to mind when he's saying this word to this audience? So there's a few different words for blessed, and we'll look at them. Um, And they all kind of mean the same thing, but they're used in different ways. So in the Old Testament, in Genesis and Psalms, the prophets and prophets, they'll give us a good picture of what does blessed mean? When, When this audience hears blessed, what do they think? So in the creation story in Genesis... God is this good, loving creator who creates us, creates the world. He blesses us. He blesses the world. He wants wants everything to kind of keep going. The blessing is this idea of like, be fruitful and multiply. Keep growing. Keep being good. You are good. This is good. And I want it to keep getting gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder. And that's blessing. And the, the word for that, the Hebrew word is Baruch. And so God is the only one who can do this, really. God is the source of Baruch, of blessing. And God blesses again in Genesis 6. He blesses Noah. In Genesis 12, he blesses Abraham. It keeps going. Um, Eventually, there are points where some of those key biblical figures bless each other, but it's it's from God. They can't get it on their own. So this, this goodness, this good, like this is good and I want it to keep getting gooder. This is good life. I want it to keep going. That comes from God. And those are all made, the points where God's blessing, these are all major hinge points in history and in the story of God in the Bible. And what, what it makes me think of is this is how God tethers himself to us. There's this, this longing to be in relationship with us, longing for the goodness of who God is to keep going through us. And that's, a ble- that's Baruch, that's blessing. Um, we see another word for it that gets used a lot, and that's, that's what really is what Jesus is using here. 
Um, it's the, the Hebrew word is called um, asher, and G in the Greek, like if you look this up, it's going to be the Greek word makarios. Makarios is like the Greek version of asher. So asher is look, that person has Baruch. Like asher is someone is noticing the blessing in someone else. Um, really straight up, you should, the Bible, of course, the Bible Project is doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount. I found the podcast on Blessing last night at like 11 o'clock, and it would be inappropriate to just play a podcast for the whole sermon. But really, if you're intrigued by this at all, if it's kind of, you're curious, they have really good, good study on this word. So a share is that, that is the good life going on. Let me read you a few of the verses in the Psalms that are a share. Um, Psalm 1, blessed, a share, is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Um, Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit there's no deceit. Psalm 33, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Taste, Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. A share is the one who takes refuge in him. So there's this, this sense. Have you ever had a sense where you go somewhere and you're like, this is so good. This is just good. That you would say, oh, this is so a share. This is a share. This is like God moving. This is the good life. You can tell God is at work here. The, the funky, complicated stuff that's normally throwing everyone off, it's not, it's not like this feels so a share. This feels so in line with, with God's kingdom. And I want to say I feel that at home group. And I felt that this week, even though I was a very big mess. I'm still kind of a mess today. <laughs> um, I feel that. I feel that in community. And there are times where I really don't want to be around other people. <laughs> where I am having a hard time. A lot of these Psalms, David wrote while he was on the run for his life. You know, so, so it's, not our circ it's not the circumstances necessarily that make it blessed. It's this, this cosmic sense of, of God's goodness at work in a, in a community, in, a, in an experience. The prophets also used the word of bless and curse a lot. We're back to kind of Baruch, the Baruch word. Um, Jeremiah 17 has really shaped this for me. The summary is, it echoes Psalm 1 a lot too. Blessed is the one who is planted next to the water. They, their roots go out into the stream, and it doesn't matter what kind of weather hits them, they're, they're set. And cursed, or, or sorry, the blessed is when you trust in God. Blessed is the one who trusts in God. Your roots are going deep into God. Again, the blessing, God is the source. And cursed is the person who trusts in mere humans. They are like a shrub out in the wasteland, and they're never going to find life. And that's really helpful for me because you can, you can just hear, and I can hear it in myself in my own wrestlings, when I am, I am connected to the source. So I would say this is like a long-term ongoing thing. I would say I am connected to Jesus for sure, but I have moments where I, I feel like I'm just stuck. And I'm, what I'm stuck in is not, I'm not getting life out of it. I'm just stuck. And that's this picture of kind of being locked down into a lie. Do you ever feel that? You're like thinking the worst things about yourself. And you're just stuck there. And the opposite of that is blessing. It's being freed. God's truth being spoken over you, lived through you, the kingdom of God freeing you. And it's, it's really helpful to think of those together and, and have them clarify each other. So as we look at these blessings from Jesus on a hillside, many of Jesus's audience would think not just of Jeremiah and all these Psalms, but they would think of another prophet, Isaiah. Isaiah wrote hundreds of years earlier to the Jewish people while, while they were under a different, while they were on the brink of and going under a different violent oppression from the Assyrians. And from what we can tell, historians have found that the scroll of Isaiah was the most widely used book of the Bible in the time of Jesus. 
So we know everyone was familiar with this, or most likely, they're very familiar, more familiar than with anything else. Um, and the blessings in Matthew 5 here directly line up with Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 is also what Jesus reads when he starts his public ministry, too. So let me read some of Isaiah 61 for you. And can we get um, Matthew 5 up? And you'll just, you'll see the, the parallels between Matthew 5 and Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the joy of oil instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So it keeps going, but you can see those parallels. And in Jesus's time, Isaiah 61 wasn't just like, oh, that's, that's a cool verse for those people back then. It was, it was really understood as a prophetic and messianic passage of God's deliverance of the spirit of God moving again and delivering his people. So with these verses, Jesus is saying God's good life is with the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the merciful. He's saying God's good life, this abounding truth is with, with these, these people, these experiences. And we really need to pause there because Jesus's audience and us, if we're really honest, our heads should kind of be like, what? That doesn't sound like the good life. You know, like we really, I, I think I get so, I've grown up in church. I'm so used to hearing this. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what Jesus says. So I'm not going to think about it. No, it was really confusing, really confusing. And Jesus is trying to kind of, we almost really have to like turn our head upside down to get what he's saying. And theologians call what he's about to start talking about in verses like this, the upside down kingdom. And I've said that term for a long time, but right to doing the sermon, I'm like, no, I have to like really, I really ha can't look at it the same way. I can't think about it the same way. And the focus in these, in, in the Matthew 5 verses, the focus is not on the condition. I, you know, in preparing for this sermon, I was reading some commentary. There is all sorts of nonsense out there. People trying to debate about how poor you have to be, <laughs> what kind of poor, <laughs> if you're meek enough, you know, what if you're, the situation is really bad, so you, you shouldn't be merciful. Do you still get the kingdom of God? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's not the, really is not the point. It's not the point. When the, the, the beauty, the, the shocking, disorienting, commanding kingdom of God is happening, you, that's what you're focusing on. And, and more than that, that, that Jesus like restores our agency in the midst of it. So just taking um, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This word is really, it's like spiritual, religious, and economic poverty. It's not either or. It's, it's, a, it's really, could, it can be translated as powerless. It's like just, just a powerlessness. You're, you're aching, you're weary, you have no, you don't have the agency you wish you had. You're powerless. And Jesus says, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. There's this restoration of agency in the midst of exactly the thing we never want to feel. We never want, I don't care who you are. You never want to feel powerless. You do not like that feeling. If you're being really honest, you don't want to feel that. We're only powerless when circumstances force us to be powerless. We do not say, oh God, let me be powerless today. You know, you're not, you're not, you know, any of y'all who are parents or have been at a wedding where you give a toast, you did not say that in the toast, okay? You did not say, I want to pray that you were powerless. You know, you didn't, this is not something that you ever want, you know? But Jesus is saying, 
in your powerlessness, in our powerlessness, our lack of resources, the kingdom of heaven is actually perfectly shaped for you. I'm going to start crying again. <laughs> you know, and the good life belongs to the powerless. And it is, count, is very counterintuitive. But something about the upside downness of the kingdom of God, it, the powerless experience the kingdom of God first. It's not like some of the commentaries were like, rich people will never get to experience the kingdom of heaven. I was like, okay, I mean, we can talk about that. But is that what Jesus is saying? No, Jesus is saying the kingdom, for, he, he's saying these are the people that will experience the kingdom first. They are most ready. They're, they're, the kingdom is going to fit into them first and most clearly. And I want to say that this kind of blessing, it really is only possible with Jesus. And you cannot like vision board your way to this life. And that's going to be, that is controversial for me. <laughs> I, and and I, I wish, I wish I could, I could just work out more. I wish that I could like, oh, I'm going to get better sleep and then I'm going to just be better. <laughs> like I try to do this still and it's, it just doesn't work. I'm going to start, <laughs> I'm going to be crying a lot today. I'm, okay. I'm coming from a like really raw place. And so it's just Jesus, you know, there's, your New Year's resolutions are great, but really Jesus is the only. It's just Jesus. I cannot comfort myself. Christ comforts me through his community, so much through his community. Um, and I participate and I let him comfort me. I can try and resist it, you know. But that is how Jesus transforms us. So turn to your neighbor if you if you if you're comfortable turning to your neighbor, how are you how are you identifying with the passage so far? Um, any any thoughts you have about the word blessed or the concept of blessed? And I'll bring us back in a minute. I know it's um, it's a bit of a wild card, but I'd love to hear if anyone, I love to hear from like someone over here, if your neighbor shared something, you're like, you should share that. Um, give them, nominate them right now. And then I want, I'd love a nomination from over here too. So let's do this side and and someone from the side, just two two people. Would you be willing to share anything about how this passage is hitting you so far? Either side. Mm. Go for it, Jenna. Yeah, Jenna was saying that blessed, in other words, like it, can get so watered down. And so it's really good to remember. And um, I think I think being in Christian community is one of the main reasons that I love I love it for that because otherwise I wouldn't remember how important these words are. And I need I need a community of people who all care about Jesus for us to be together and to remind each other. When I when I say you're good, I really mean it. And it means this like whole stack of theological things. When I pray blessing over you, it means this huge wealth of knowledge. Do you have someone over here? Come on. Here we go. Come on, Brie. Okay. Got these Perfect. young ladies sharing. Um, even just the last part about how we can't like vision board or like work ourselves into a place of like being worthy to receive God's blessing or like being willing to work for the kingdom of heaven because um, even just certain roles that I've been placed in lately or even like my decision to go on a summer mission last year, like I did not feel ready. I was like, oh, I'm not spiritually <laughs> where I want to be at. And I just had to recognize that it wasn't about like me being ready at the work that I was doing, but like God being the one to work and like equip me and how he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And that became really real for me. And just to, yeah, enjoy the blessing that he's given me and no, it's not from myself. It's just from him. Amen. Amen. 
And I think we all like the idea of that, but when it's happening, like right now, I want to I wanna look good and put together. I don't want to be up crying for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we like the idea of it, but the real experience of being shaped by Jesus is normally pretty overwhelming. And it's good, you know, but it's, it, it's overwhelming. So, yeah, amen. We're going to move on to talk about the kingdom of God now. So this phrase, kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, um, the term is interchangeable a lot. It bookends these blessings, which means all the blessings have to do with the kingdom of God. And so what do we think this group would have thought when Jesus said kingdom of heaven? What would it have meant for them? And a few points. I'm going to share a few points on the Jewish concepts of earth and heaven. Again, Bible Project is very helpful. Um, but when, when you, in the Bible, when you hear words heaven and earth, it is two different domains. Heaven is where God is. It's ruled by God. Um, God defines what is good and evil. God's will is done. The biblical authors call heaven um, God's kingdom, paradise, eternal life, heaven, all these things. And God's original plan was really for it to be heaven on earth, for, for it to not be separate. Um, if you read Genesis, you will see this, this beautiful picture of God's loving heart, um, his, his care, his creativity, his power, and he, wa he wants his kingdom to be here on earth. And the garden was a place where that was true. And God's blessing is an example of that. Humans are in right relationship with God, with creation, with each other. Um, but really sin disrupts that whole original plan. And Genesis 3 tells the story of this, this great split. C.S. Lewis has a book, calls it the great divorce. You know, there's, there's this ripping apart of what was meant to be together. And I cannot really overstate the, the ache and the tragedy of that. There's, it's this, this cosmic heartbreak that ripples through time still today. Um, and we, we really cannot understand why Jesus' kingdom is so good unless we are very clear on how devastating sin is. We won't understand why Jesus' kingdom is so clear unless is so good unless we're clear on how devastating sin is. If you're looking at the news and you're looking at the wars going on, you know, how many people are dying trying to get to a better life. If you're if you're looking at like the heartbreak in your own family and you're like, well, oh, that's fine, that's pretty good. That doesn't upset me at all. <laughs> Jesus' kingdom is not going to be good news to you. <laughs> Uh, we have to real like the the deep ache of sin and the longing for restoration. Jesus's audience would have felt that, and I'm sure many of us feel that too. And the good news is that Jesus, in Jesus, these two separate domains are begin to overlap again. God made sure that the separation wasn't permanent, and um. That's a mind-blowing idea. That's just mind-blowing. <laughs> and this mind-blowing concept is, is summed up in the term kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. In Matthew 3, a few chapters before this, the, t the term kingdom of God first is spoken by John the Baptist um, when he calls people out to the wilderness to repent. They, di they didn't like go out because it was convenient, you know, there were no Ubers back then. <laughs> they are out in the wilderness um, from all sorts of different parts of the region, and they are hearing John say, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. Repent means change your mind, change your thinking. It's like, what? Like I have to, like you, you have to really change how you're, you're experiencing, how you're conceiving. So all these people are out in the wilderness, soft-hearted, ready to have God change them. And Jesus comes too. And in front of that multitude, Jesus is baptized. And that crowd sees heaven open. 
and the Holy Spirit like a dove falling on Jesus and the voice of God himself saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I mean, that's like, imagine all the ache you have and then you see the kingdom of God overlapping finally, you know. Just the, the beauty of that. And you want to know how chapter 4 ends? <laughs> right before Jesus sits down and, and does the Sermon on the Mount? This is, this is like the last paragraph of chapter 4. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, that's the region he's in now, the Decapolis, that's like non-Jewish, 10 cities, very metropolitan, Jerusalem, Judea, the region across the Jordan followed him. So basically everybody's trying to figure out who he is. It is... It is very likely that the people on this mountainside listening to Jesus because they have so much hope that someone has come to bridge that split between heaven and earth. And remember the, the, how just in reading Matthew 5, there's echoes of Isaiah, and Isaiah was very popular at the time, and it's a prophetic messianic passage. So um, these these Christian ethicists, they have this book that we like called Kingdom Ethics. Uh, the authors poured over all of these original scrolls of Isaiah because it was such a rich source for Jesus. And one of the things that they said as they read these kingdom passages in Isaiah, they said what seems clear in Isaiah is that these passages announce that God is being revealed. God is being revealed, disclosed before our very eyes. But Jewish piety so highly revered the revelation of God that they couldn't say God is revealed. So instead, Isaiah said the kingdom of God is revealed. <laughs> that might blow our minds, but like if, even if you Google, like, let me look up what the Torah says. A lot of times it says G slash D. They don't even spell God. Like there's such reverence around God. They're set, like, they, 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 I don't even know how to communicate. It's a very intense Jewish thing. It was, but we can trust that they really felt that God was happening. Something dynamic. It wasn't like the kingdom of God is this place. And if I catch a bus, I can get there. That is not what they're talking about. The kingdom of God is the dynamic presence of God being revealed among them. So it's a pretty massive concept, right? And when Jewish people hear kingdom of God, all of that pops up, like what just took whatever, five minutes, you know, bam. It's all there when you say kingdom of God. And the wild part is that Jesus, what Jesus says in the Sermon of the Mount, widens our aperture on that even more. <laughs> Later on in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, Jesus says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, this, this, this like sewing heaven and earth back together again, this healing. And the focus is still on God's presence and that we, we get to participate in it. It's like Jesus is saying, I am here. I am here. Let, let the kingdom impact you. So the kingdom of God is where God's will is done. Where God, what God, Dallas Willard um, says, the kingdom of God is present wherever what God wants to be done is done. It is the range of God's effective will. And it's this massive, abounding, eternal goodness and power when things are here on earth as they are in heaven. That's the kingdom of God. So I was going to have a turn to the neighbor moment, but I'm going to keep going. Are you guys wanting to turn to your neighbor right now? You're going, we're going to keep going. Okay. So, checking in, y'all. We're here to talk to each other. So, now we're going to have a bit of a zoom out moment and look at Jesus. So, when Jesus saw the crowds, 
he went up on a mountainside and sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And in how Matthew writes this, these were probably teachings that Jesus was giving all the time. Remember, they were walking miles and miles between places. There were times where they were all sitting down at once, um, but the way, the way Matthew writes these teachings, he like puts them all together. And it's really powerful. And I'm sure, I'm sure Jesus did preach all of this. But I think it was probably very conversational. Like if you were to read the whole Sermon on the Mount straight through, it wouldn't take you very long. And I picture them being there a long time and talking to each other and wrestling it out and, and working it through. So teach is this very dynamic word. It's not like a, it's not like a, an on, online course, you know, where you can like, fake click through the answers. I don't know. Like Jesus' teaching is really, really involved. So then Jesus teaches for a full three chapters after this. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are all Jesus' words. And he is talking about lust and anger and fear and anxiety and rage and how to pray and how to engage with injustice. And I want us to pause for a minute and really Examine. I'm going to give you a moment to think, to ponder. What does that reveal about what Jesus values? That Jesus would take hours, however long, to wrestle out almost every aspect of their life that could, could tie them up. He's trying to get them over to the source. He's trying to get them to a place of blessing. And everything that could lock them down, he, he covers it. So think about it for a minute. What does that reveal that that's what Jesus does? How does that shape our idea of God and God's character? John 17, uh, John 15 and on is is a a really cool dialogue where you hear Jesus trying to get at his connection to God the Father. And Jesus says, I have revealed you. He's saying, "I like Jesus fully reveals God to everyone. And this is God's heart. God's heart is, you know, we can debate like a million different things about God, but I really feel strongly that this reveals God's love, his desire for us to experience his kingdom in every aspect of our life in our fights, in our rage, in our lust, in our anxiety, everything. God's saying, I love you, and I am there. I am there with you in the middle of that. So, and what do you think when, so just summarize that. All three chapters, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wrestling it all out, making them, he's really flipping their, their world upside down with everything he's saying. And when he finishes He's not, he's not just talking the talk. He walks that walk, man. So remember the summary of Matthew 4, how he was healing everything you could imagine, <laughs> doing everyone, all these crowds, Jesus doing everything. Then he teaches them for a long time, and then he goes out, and this is just Matthew 8. Matthew is 28 chapters. This is just Matthew 8, right after the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus heals a man with leprosy, which is extremely rare, extremely rare, like only happens once every like 800 centuries (laughs) that we can tell. Very rare healing. Healed an oppressor's servant. He healed one of the Roman guard's servants. He healed his friend's mother and many demon-possessed people. So just picture what, what is happening in Matthew 8. He called his disciples to follow him no matter how costly it might be, which is an increase in leadership. So he's developing leaders. He's, he's keeping his mission going. He controls the weather. He calmed a storm. When that happened, the men around him were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And Jesus engaged two demon-possessed men in a region in such a dramatic way that it freaked everyone out. Like the whole region was just freaked out. So Jesus is a great teacher, but he is so much more than that. And if we take Jesus seriously, then he is also this trustworthy, good king and a healer and a comforter. So like the crowds, something brought all of us here today. Maybe it's just like our family routine. 
you know? Maybe a friend kind of dragged you here. You didn't know what you were getting into. <laughs> um, but I trust that from, for at least some of us, there is like a deeper spiritual tug in our heart. I have been um, wrestling a lot lately with how I engage with God. I have been a Christian a very long time, um, but I have a pretty academic bent. Um, I love school. I love reading. I love nerd diving, which means I just like keep going down the rabbit hole of some idea, trying to figure it out. And I, so I found spaces where I could ask all my questions. You know, there are some churches that were like, just pipe down and fill in the blank, you know. <laughs> and I found Christian spaces where I could ask my questions. And I've experienced a lot about God that I would totally say is like the kingdom of God. I feel love from Jesus, all that. But I am 41 right now, and I am in a weird spot because it's like I can no longer intellectualize my way to God, the belief thing. And it's like the Lord is saying, there is so much more to me. And I do not like this, okay? <laughs> it has been an emotional roller coaster. Um, I like to think about God comforting me, but I do not want to be so sad that he has to comfort me. <laughs> Um, you know, I like the idea of being merciful, but I don't want to be mistreated enough that I have to be merciful. Like I, all of those blessings, you know, I just, the, the experience of these blessings is actually really overwhelming. And, um, so I'm, I'm coming from a pretty raw place. I'm trying to experience God in a new way. Um, I don't like actually needing Jesus. And I'm sure a lot, a lot of, especially probably the people who've been Christian while, if, if we're honest, you probably feel the same way. You like the conception of Jesus or Jesus being like a nice accessory, you know, but actually needing Jesus is a very gut-wrenching thing. And um, I want to feel all put together all the time. So... So welcome if you were also feeling <laughs> messy, you know, and and really emotional and, and figuring out a new way to connect to God. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for us. I feel like there are two two clear ways to respond to Jesus today. One is um, how Jesus said and John the Baptist said, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near." I trust that for plenty of us, um, you feel Jesus inviting you to change something, to change your way of thinking, to change something about your way of living. Um, this is not about being a better person. This is about focusing on Jesus, not focusing on the thing, um, but letting Jesus change us. Um, so I'm going to ask us to stand up. Because again, it's Super Bowl, and I know all y'all are going to be jumping around later. So we're going to stand on up. I'm going to pray for anyone who feels like they want to change. And the other thing I want to pray for is I love at church welcoming people to fresh faith or renewed faith. So I'm going to pray for anyone who feels like Jesus is just speaking right to you this morning. You feel lit up like a Christmas tree. You don't know what's going on. I'm going to pray for you to say yes to Jesus in whatever way feels right. Jesus, we want to, we want to experience you. We want to let your kingdom shape us. And I pray for every, every, you know, gram of us <laughs> that is willing um, to be shaped by you today. It's only you, Jesus, that, that can change us. So I pray for, for anything that's coming to the surface, lust, rage. For me, it's shame. I just, Lord, you know I'm so hard on myself, and I know other people are too. Jesus, we don't want... <sighs> Lord, we need you. Oh, Jesus.
Jesus, we pray for that ongoing process that there are many moments where we have said yes to you changing us, but it, it keeps going. So I pray for that ongoing process. And Lord, I pray for anyone in the room who, who feels like they're actually really reorienting to you completely. Um, they would not have felt close to your kingdom, and they want to. So whether you have been felt distant from God and you feel, you feel Jesus saying it right to you, I am here, my kingdom is here. Or you, this is your first time in a church or you're, you're just, you're completely fresh, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what it means. I just ask again for like a physical expression as a way to respond. So raise your hands, do something as a way to say, God, I want to make my life about you. I want your kingdom. And if you're feeling that, you kind of know. You probably feel something really weird in your body. (laughs) Maybe you feel like you want to go hide. So any, any, any sign that you want Jesus and you know You don't know exactly what you're getting into, but you know it's good and you know you want it. Amen, amen. Jesus, I bless, I bless our community. I I pray your blessing (laughs) over our community that your truth will abound in each life. Lord, I pray that every lie that is locking us down will be cut off. Jesus, thank you for the power of community and how you remind us of your kingdom. And I pray that these Sundays will be a place where we experience your kingdom and we remind each other of who you are. And I pray your protection over every yes that people gave today. A yes to change, a yes to follow you. Jesus, we pray your protection over that yes and over the road before them. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Liz. Yeah? So we've been trying to get Liz to be to share with us for like four months, and it just the schedule has not worked out, or sickness, or all kinds of things. And this was a battle to get here. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I almost didn't even come this morning, <laughs> but you were here and you were faithful, and it was exactly what we needed to hear. Thank you for being so faithful to the Lord. Yeah. Thanks for bearing with my long-winded Cambodianness this morning. It's my fault that you're getting out just a shade late, so think of me fondly as you give me grace. Um, just a couple quick things as we close. Um, Liz embodied so well what we want to make sure that you, that you see and hear, and that as part of leadership here, we are broken people who are seeking more of Jesus. So if you feel like that, you're in exactly the right place. This is not about being put together. This is about embracing, Liz is coming back for a final word, um, embracing the brokenness, which leads us to a place of desperation and meeting God. Yeah? And I, if, if you want prayer for any of those things that Jesus was bringing to the surface, um, there are people down that will be down in the front that can pray. And especially if you feel like you made any kind of a, a promise to God, Jesus, I want my life to be about you. And if you voice that desire in any way, you really have to come talk to someone about that because we got to pray for you so that that gets to grow in you really well and we get to support you and make sure you're invited to a life group and all that. So please come share with someone um, whatever Jesus was bringing up. Excellent. So prayer folks, yeah, if you'd come down, that'd be great. That's a good segue for that. Also, Ash Wednesday, this, uh, this Wednesday, which is, happens to be Valentine's Day as well, noon to one, we're going to do a short worship and uh, kind of a kickoff to, uh, to Lent in the Fellowship Hall. It's right across the, we'll have signs so you can find it. 
It's not a mysterious place. But here's the deal. For a lot of us who grew up in Protestant churches, we don't understand what's the big deal about Ash Wednesday. It is the start of this time of Lent until Easter Sunday. So it's a time to, to fast from something and fast to something else. And so I don't do as well unless I get a clear start. If you were running a race, but there was no starting line, wouldn't you feel like that was a little weird, right? So this is the starting line. Now this ash thing, you're like, what is the ashes? Well, the ashes are to symbolize the cross on your head. It's, there's not, they're not magical, but there's just something beautiful about the, the symbolism. If you've never experienced it before, afterwards, you can wash it off. You don't have to leave it there forever. But there's just something very beautiful about tangible things that help our faith. So that's all it is. No one's going to ask you to do something that you don't feel like you can do. Uh, but this is a good step. So some of you have only come to services on Sunday. This may be your next step, all right? That's this Wednesday right here at noon. Um, fasting from and fasting to. I want to challenge you. You want something to fast to during Lent? I'm going to get Lent. Yes, Lent. Let me give you one. You heard about the Bible Project. It's an app. You can get the app or you can just go to the website. Just watch one video a day. Anyone you want, you get to choose. All right? One, one video a day. It would be something that would move you toward learning more about God's word and his character. Lastly, um, so next weekend we start celebrating the 60th year of Neighborhood Church. So, you don't want to miss next Sunday. By the way, we're off the live stream at this point. Thanks, Brian, for directing. Appreciate you. Um, but uh, we're going to do some really exciting things. We are going to pray for two of our new pastoral interns. You're going to hear more about that next week and start celebrating this celebration will last a whole year long, but kick off with us next week. So if you need prayer, you want prayer, if you made a decision for Jesus, come on down. Uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Last week, last Sunday, we heard Cambodians sing the same thing in the Khmer language. And so may God bless you today. We'll see you next week.